uh, New Lifers have been with us for uh, six years, seven years, six years. And uh, today's their last Sunday with us. Uh, Anson's going to be going to uh, uh, be a pastor at a ch- another church in Queens here. And so Anson, uh, we went to seminary together. Uh, he's been a, they've been a real gift to our community these last six years. And so as they enter into a new journey, uh, a new chapter in their lives, yeah, I wanted to pray for them, uh, that God will use them in powerful ways uh, in their next local church family here. And so uh, just extend your hand towards them. Uh, and I'm praying that God would fill you guys and speak to you and use you in powerful and profound ways in the years to come. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for Anson and Jay. Thank you for Jonathan and Evelyn and Christian. And Father, I pray that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would use them in powerful ways in another part of Queens, that people would come to you through them, that signs and wonders would follow them, that they would be healing and restoration. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift that they are to our community, gift that they are to our church, to Queens, to the kingdom of God. May your kingdom come into your, their lives. May your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Uh, Luke chapter 17. Uh, today is a really simple message, which I believe, but I believe it can have some profound implications for our lives. And we're going to start, and we're starting a new series on, on gratitude. You can put that slide up, Mike, of, on, on gratitude. And uh, what's pretty cool about our series this month as we, get, as we gear up for Thanksgiving is the kids' ministry, so parents, uh, kids' ministry uh, is going to be going through a series on gratitude this month as well. And what's really cool is our text today in Luke 17 is going to be the same text that kids are learning right now in their own environments. And so uh, you have a lot of stuff to talk uh, at home with mom and dad uh, as you go home and drive, especially tonight, today as we talk about this text. And so uh, I want to look at this text out of Luke uh, 17, one of my favorite passages of scripture as we uh, step into this, this new series called Thanks, uh, How Gratitude Shapes Our Lives. And so here, uh, the reading of God's word. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had Ebola. Um, uh, I want you to pause for a moment. Because in our city here, um, there was a doctor who had, or a man who had Ebola. And he took the train and he was walking the park. And when some people heard about, he was on the same train that I was on, people started freaking out. And so I want you to just get into your mind right now, 10 men with Ebola at a real close distance to you here, and you'll get a sense of what's happening in our text here. 10 men who had Ebola or leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went... They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray together.
Father, I ask that as we look at this passage that your Holy Spirit would bring scripture alive in us. Lord, that we would walk out of this place having encountered the risen Jesus. And so, Lord, we offer this time to you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Over the past week, I've been paying attention to how grateful I am and the way I've been saying thank you. And I've also been observing the ways that other people have been saying thank you or forgetting to say thank you. And one of the things I've noticed is because we live in such a self-absorbed and a distracted culture, we miss many opportunities to say thank you. I was at the grocery store earlier this week, and the person in front of me was, uh, was putting their groceries on the conveyor belt, and they were also texting at the same time. And so putting it there and texting and putting it there and texting, and the person is ringing them up, and they're just texting, and the person at the end of the conveyor belt, you know, the, that thing there is bagging the groceries for them. You've seen it before, and they're bagging, and, and meticulously I'm watching as they're putting all the frozen food with the frozen food, all the canned goods with the canned goods, all the vegetables with the vegetables, and they're really paying attention to how they're bagging the groceries. But the person who was paying was texting. And uh, they, they said that that'll be, they gave them the amount and the person you know, gave them the money and, and they gave them the receipt. And the person tried, kept texting, he had about seven bags and he walked and he grabbed the bags and he just kept walking. And at that moment, the person who was bagging the groceries, you could tell that that person was a little like, you, I mean, you could have just said, thank you. Uh, and the person just kept walking. Later on that week, I walked into my apartment building and I walked into the elevator. And as I got into the elevator, I hit the button and the door is about to close. And someone goes, hold the door, please. And, and typically when someone says that, I just, I just go like this, you know, sometimes I just say, just, 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 um, uh, and, 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 oh, yeah, I know you guys don't do that. But, um, for, but, uh, but on that day, I was feeling really Christian. And, and they said, hold the door. I said, oh, and, and I said, I said, there you go. And, and the person walks in and I said, which floor are you headed to? And they gave me the floor and I, and I pressed the button and uh, I'm just waiting <laughs> like I'm you know and the person not even looking at me the person's just um just just waiting and and inside of me I'm going uh we're gonna fight right now it is, it is, it is. <laughs> and, and 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 nothing and the person gets off and at that moment something was very wrong whenever someone is the recipient of goodness and there is no gratitude that follows we know that something instinctively, something is wrong because very early on in our lives, we're taught to say thank you. It's one of the first things that we're taught as children, how to say thank you. And with all these uh, years of experience under our belt of being trained and taught how to be thankful and be grateful, you would think that gratitude and thanks would flow from our lips and that we would be people of gratitude and people of thanks. But the issue before us is, is not whether we say thanks or not. The issue before us is, is our lives shaped by gratitude. In a given day, you will say thank you to someone who holds the door. You will say thank you to someone who gives you a compliment. You will say thank you to someone who gives you a word of encouragement. But that's not the question. The question is, is our lives shaped by gratitude? And what's ironic about gratitude is we can say thank you 50 times a day and still not have our lives shaped by gratitude. And the question is, is gratitude deeply changing your life? And that simple question, I, I figured out a very simple way to determine how grateful we are. A very simple test to determine if we are really being shaped and formed by gratitude. I'm calling it the thankful test. 
And I want you to consider just three simple questions. And these three simple questions, I think, will determine how grateful we are or grateful we are not. And the first question, very simply, is this. How much time do you give to comparing? Comparing your life with other people. How much time do you give to complaining? Complaining about what's before you in light of and just complaining. And, and how much time do you give to coveting, wanting what other people have? If our lives are shaped in any of these ways of complaining and, and comparing and, and coveting, uh, gratitude probably has not taken the kind of root in our hearts that God wants it to. And so the question before us is how can we become people of deep gratitude as we're thinking about the Thanksgiving season? How can we become people of deep gratitude? And it's in our text this morning that we see the importance and the effect that gratitude has on our lives. When we pick up in our text, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he was going into a village and and as he walked in, there was a, a man who screamed from a distance, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And we find out in the story that these 10 men had leprosy, which was the worst disease of the day. And leprosy was a skin disease that attacked the body and the effects that it had were horrendous because on many occasions, a leprosy would cause fingers and toes to fall off. Limbs would be damaged. In many cases, uh, it would result, first of all, in a loss of sensation in your nerve endings. And so if, if your hand was on fire, you wouldn't know that your hand was on fire. Some have said that the disease could take 30 years to run its course, and by that time span, entire limbs had fallen off. And so if you had leprosy, you have experienced incredible uh, physical trauma to your body. But beyond the the physical trauma that uh, someone that had leprosy would experience, it was also emotional trauma, emotional pain as well. Because not only did the leper have uh, physical issues, the leper also had emotional issues because the leper was removed from family and community. Because this was such a contagious disease, the Old Testament made prescriptions about people who had it. There could be no contact with siblings, no contact with friends, no contact with children, no contact with your spouse. The leper was to be immediately removed from community. And once you were diagnosed, there's no kissing your wife goodbye. There's no hugging your kids goodbye. It is just leave at the moment. Could you imagine the shame? Could you imagine the pain? When a leper walked into a village, the people were responsible for looking at them and saying, unclean, unclean. And could you imagine the deep shame and pain that they would experience being relationally and emotionally cut off from people? To be pushed to the margins in society is emotionally painful. Earlier this year, I experienced a little bit of that. Uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, earlier this year, I I was battling a little bit of tuberculosis, not of my lungs, but of my lymph nodes. And I'm fine now, but when I was uh, going through this little battle there, I had to get uh, some examinations three days in a row because they wanted to find out if I was contagious, if it was pulmonary in my, if I cough and I got someone, they wanted to figure all that stuff out. And so for three consecutive days, I had to do all these examinations. And and I, I remember the first day I walked in, and, and there was a glass between me and the person there already saying, you're unclean. Uh, you better stay to the side right there. And, and so I said, you know, my, my name is Rich and I'm here for my examination. 
and they would say, okay, and, and I sit down, and then a few minutes later, they go, Velotis, and I go, that's me, and I go, can I walk in? He goes, Be- before you walk in, and he grabs his jacket, and he puts on his gloves, and he puts on the mask, and he puts on some goggles. I don't know why he had the goggles, but he puts on the goggles and the little hat as well there. And he goes, all right, all right, come in. Already saying, you better, and you better not cough on me either. And, he, and, he's, and, I, and I walk in, and he says, okay, I want you to, you're going to have to spit into this cup, cough into this cup. I want to see if you're contagious or not. And so I, I get the kind of, I said, Can I, should I do it right here? So do not do it right here. You're going to go into this little room and, uh, and, and I walk into this little, about the size of this right here. And he says, you're gonna, I want you to cough three times and, and try to you know, see if you're contagious or not. So he closes the door. The light goes on. It's just like contagious. All this stuff happens there. And so I go, I, 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 it's not working. Can I open the door? Do not open the door. Stay in there. Do not open the door. And so we did the whole thing, and I walk out, and at that moment, I realized, I felt what it felt like to be emotionally just put to the margins. You, you stay right there. You are unclean. The lepers experience physical trauma. They experience emotional trauma. But they also experience spiritual trauma. Because more than being physically ill, more than being emotionally uh, ill, uh, they could not enter into the temple. They could not enjoy worship. They could not be with the people of God. They could not hear a sermon. They could not make a sacrifice. They could not enjoy the people of God. And so they're cut off from God. They're cut off from people. They're cut off from themselves. And so with all this coming against them, they they see Jesus walking down the street and they shout out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. The same way that if you were on a deserted island for many months and an airplane was passing by, you would do everything that you could to just let that airplane get attention. Hey, I'm right here. I'm a, I'm a stranded here. I am right here. They said the same thing. Jesus, master, have pity on us. And they see Jesus. They hear about his reputation and they say, have mercy on us because no one has showed these people grace. No one has tried to help them. They are to be avoided. Everyone ignores them except Jesus. And Jesus sees and he hears these 10 men calling out to them. And and when Jesus sees them, he doesn't go unclean. He moves towards them. The same way that God's moving towards you right now. Regardless of whoever has marginalized you. Regardless of whatever physical malady you have, whatever kind of emotional trauma you've experienced, whatever, phys- whatever it is, Jesus walks towards you today. And he walks towards these 10 lepers. And, and on one occasion, when Jesus encountered a leper, Jesus did the, the compassionate thing of laying his hands on the leper. Now, if you were to lay your hands on a leper, they, they tell you not to do that because you will get what they have. When Jesus laid his hands on the lepers, they received what he had. Isn't that awesome? He received what he had. And so on one occasion, Jesus he lays hands on them. But on this occasion, Jesus doesn't lay hands on them. Jesus gives them some different instructions. He tells the 10 lepers, he says, I want you guys to go to the priest. Walk to the priest. Now, this seems odd because you would go to a priest after you were cured. And then the priest would confirm your health and then reinstate you into society. You see, the, the priest had functions of not just leading during Sabbath worship and not just uh, doing uh, sacrifices, but the priest also functioned as a health official. 
And so if a person was miraculously healed of leprosy, it was up to the priest to inspect the body, to test to see if there was complete removal of disease and then announce that the person was healed and they can be reinstated into society. And so if I'm a leper, I'd appreciate if Jesus, you can heal me first and then I'll go see the priest. But Jesus doesn't tell them to do that. Jesus says, start walking. And as they walk, they, they, just, they, pay, they, 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 just, they just follow through on Jesus' command. And I find it very interesting that most of our the miracles in our lives and most of the breakthrough that God wants to come in our lives really flows out of obedience. And they obey Jesus. And they begin to walk towards the priest towards the temple. Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And so they, they look at their bodies, I imagine. They see their mangled hands. They see their feet missing toes. They see their skin that has been significantly damaged, but they decide, let's start walking. And so the 10 start walking. And I imagine they start walking on Queens Boulevard and they're walking down five blocks and nothing has happened yet. And they get to block number six and block number seven. All of a sudden, one of the lepers starts feeling a sensation on his fingertips, something he hasn't felt for years. And it feels a little odd. And he walks another block. And all of a sudden, one of the lepers realizes that the toe that was gone has just appeared. And he's looking down. Another uh, leper starts walking and, and he realizes, because you can't see many times if transformation has happened in your life. And he looks at his other leper. He goes, he goes Billy, your ear is back. And Billy goes, yeah, I, I, I can see. And, they, and they, they keep on walking and they realize that their skin now is returning to normal. And I imagine they get maybe a mile or so and, and they finally look at each other and they have been made clean. They have been healed by Jesus. And I imagine that they are so excited because what does this mean? This means that I can enter back into the temple. What does this mean? This means that I can hug my children again. What does this mean? This means I can kiss my wife again. What does this mean? I can go bowling again. What does this mean? I can enjoy life again. I can enjoy God again. I can enjoy people again. I can enjoy myself again. And so when you're that excited, I imagine they didn't just keep walking at a slow pace. I imagine they start skipping and then start running as fast as they possibly could because they wanted to get a clean bill of health. And as they start running down Queens Boulevard as fast as they possibly can, one of the lepers stops them and he says, guys, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's pause for a second. And this leper, let's call him Larry. Larry the leper. And Larry says, guys, wait a second. I need to do something. And, and they say, well, Larry, I mean, we, we, we just got healed. He goes, no, no, I, I need to go back. And they go, well, you've been wrestling with this illness for years. Don't, don't you want to see your wife? Don't you want to see your children? Don't, don't you want to, to, to be in the temple again? He goes, I, I, I do want to do all that, but, 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 but I have to go back. Why, do you, why are you going back for? I, I, I have to say thank you. I, I, I have to say thank you to Jesus. And so they go, you know what? Uh, we're we're going to go to Jesus and go to the priest. We're, we're going to go to the priest. You can go if you want, but the rest of us, we're going we're gonna to move forward. And, and Larry says, you guys can move, but I'm going to turn. And in that moment, Larry turns around and he embodies gratitude. And he also shows the connection between gratitude and repentance. That to repent 
is to be encountered by the grace of God. And in light of that grace, you turn around and go in a new direction. And gratitude in the same way, you are encountered by the goodness of God. And gratitude fills you so much that you have to look back to where the goodness came from. And you have to begin walking that direction. And so Larry starts walking. Gratitude and repentance go hand in hand. Both call us to turn around to see God's goodness towards us and to reorient our lives in light of that reality. And so they start walking backwards. Now, now, as I think about my own life and where do I find myself in this story, I find myself with the nine because I know myself. And I would have said, listen, Larry, you can do that, but I want to see my wife. I want to see my kids. I'll send Jesus a text. I'll message him on Facebook and say, thank you. You can do that. But Larry says, you guys can do it. And he begins to walk backwards. And it says that as he starts walking backwards, that he's praising God in a loud voice, praising God as loud as he possibly can. And he's, he's looking, use your imagination. I imagine Jesus wasn't just waiting. I imagine Jesus had already gone somewhere else. And so Larry starts looking for Jesus. He starts going through the village and he starts, has, have you seen Jesus? And I haven't seen Jesus. He starts going into the coffee shop. Has Jesus been here? Did he order a latte here? And I haven't seen him. He starts going to the grocery store, the laundromat. Has Jesus been in here? We haven't seen Jesus at all. And so he's looking and searching for Jesus. And finally he gets to the moment after searching after his, his, his look. He could have given up and gone right back, but he continues to look for Jesus. And he finally finds Jesus and he, and he goes down to his knees and says, Jesus, I am so thankful to you. you. You have connected me back to God. You're connecting me back to my family. You're connecting me back to myself. You're connecting me back to what I experienced before. And, and Jesus hears Larry with this praise. And you would expect Jesus to say, Larry, it was my good pleasure to do that to you. I love you with an everlasting love. It's it's a deep joy to, to be the part of your healing and be responsible for your healing. But Jesus doesn't say that. After Larry praises him and thanks him from the bottom of his heart, what comes out of Jesus' mouth is very surprising. So the first thing Jesus says is, didn't you have nine friends? Weren't nine of you guys cleansed? Where are the other guys? And Larry, I imagine, gets up and he says, uh, I, I, they kept going to the priest, but, but I'm here, Jesus. I mean, I, I'm, I, I was obedient. I, I, I'm grateful. And, and then Jesus pronounces something on Larry, something that's powerful. And he begins to say, Larry, your faith has made you well. Now, one commentator said that that could be rendered, your gratitude has made you well. And I want to show you something profound out of this passage because there are two important words that are contrasted, two important words that are juxtaposed here. When Jesus uh, tells them to go, one of the words that it says, it says they were cleansed. They were, they were, as they were walking, they were cleansed. And that word cleanse really comes from the word about cleansing from your impurities. And so they experience tremendous healing in their lives. But when Larry comes back, Jesus says, Larry, you're more than cleansed. You have been made well. And the word for made well is the same word where we get the word salvation from. He says, Larry, they've experienced healing, but you've experienced salvation. They experienced cleansing, 
You've experienced the Christ. You've experienced forgiveness. You experienced tremendous wholeness. They might have got cleansed, but you are now whole. Your faith has made you well. And so he he has been redeemed in his relationship with God. He's been rescued from his maladies. He is now saved in right relationship with God. They received healing, but he received Jesus. And and, and when gratitude uh, uh, leads us to turning to God, we're not just cleansed. We are made well. There's a wholeness that comes to us. This is why studies have shown that that, uh, gratitude, grateful people have experienced higher levels of joy, enthusiasm, love, happiness. Grateful people are protected from uh, destructive impulses of envy, of resentment, of greed, of bitterness. If If you want your life to be happy, you want to be happy, you want your life to be whole, Jesus has returned to God with gratitude. The way of the world is, I'd, if I'd have more joy, uh, if I had more joy, I'd be more grateful. That's the way of the world. If I was happier, I'd be more grateful. But the way of the kingdom is this. If I had more gratitude, I'd have more joy. The way of the world is, if I had more joy, I'd be more grateful. The way of the kingdom is, if I had more gratitude, I'd have more joy. And so we're made whole because gratitude is a reorientation of our inner life. And when your life consistently, like Larry, begins to turn around to the source of where your goodness has come from, all of a sudden there's certain things that start dissipating from your life. The complaining starts dissipating. The comparing starts ceasing. The coveting, wanting what other people have, begins to disappear because you have recognized, I have been the recipient of goodness. And this is what gratitude is. Gratitude is a knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness and constantly coming back to the source of that goodness, which is God. And so during this Thanksgiving season, we are invited to come back to God, not just one time a year, but to have our lives formed and framed by gratitude. And Jesus wants to set you free through the simple word of thanks. And when this thank you and this gratitude begins to fill our lives, all of a sudden we are released from the comparing. We are released from the coveting. We are released from uh, the, the complaining. And Jesus wants to make us well. He wants to set us free. And so I want to give you a very simple way of fleshing this out today and fleshing this out really for the rest of your lives. And I want to give you something, some handles here that as we go home, uh, this can really shape gratitude in our lives. And I want to teach you something called the examine. And at New Life, we've used the examine in many different contexts, but the examine is, uh, it's, it's looking back with eyes of gratitude. And most of our lives, we don't live contemplating our lives. We keep, we live, keep moving forward and forward and forward. Gratitude is a constant turning back to see where the goodness has come from and pursuing that God from which the goodness comes from. And so I want to give us an opportunity today and my, my prayer is that this week that you would experiment with this. That before you go to bed and as you wake up, that you would look back at your previous 24 hours and that you would do two things this week and I pray for the rest of your lives that you would repent, and that you would refocus. When the grace of God comes to us, the grace of God 
comes and the response is repentance. We don't repent to get the grace of God. We receive the grace of God and the grace of God compels us to repent. And so I want to give us a moment to repent of the way that we complain that crosses the line. There's some good complaint, then some, there's complaint that crosses the line. I want to give us an opportunity to repent of our comparing to others. All the ways that we have compared ourselves to others. And I want to give us an opportunity to repent of all the ways we've coveted other people's lives and what people have and what they've done and haven't cherished the gift that God has given you and who you are. And so, and out of that place, I want us to refocus and, and think to all the things that God has given you. And if you do this one day, you might not see a difference. You do a new day, you might not see a difference. I guarantee you, if your life is committed to this rhythm of gratitude, that little by little, you will be made whole and reflect the kind of life that Jesus wants us to. So I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I want to invite you to practice this right now. I want to give you a moment. I want to give us all a moment of repentance, a moment of turning back to God, of changing our minds. So let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment. For the next moment or so, I, I want you to look back at your week. I want you maybe look back at your day. And I want you to identify all of the things that you have been complaining about. Identify all of the ways that you have been comparing your life to others. Maybe the kind of car you have, the kind of house you live in kind of job you have, the kind of salary you have, and you've been comparing. I want to give you a moment to think about all the ways that you've been coveting, reaching, grasping, longing to live a life that God has not given you to live. I want to give us a moment to say, Lord, we repent of all the ways that we haven't been grateful in light of your grace and mercy towards us. So let's take a moment of just repentance before God. I want to give you a moment to refocus and look back at your day, look back at your week and begin to identify all the ways that God has been good to you. All the ways that he has provided for you. The ways that he has forgiven you. The ways that he has connected you to family and friends. Ways that you are breathing today. And I want you to look back with with eyes of gratitude and offer your thanks to God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we repent of our sin. We repent of our 
in gratitude of all the ways that we have compared, all the ways that we have complained, all the ways that we have coveted, all the ways that we have been distracted and have not seen your goodness toward us. Lord, we repent. We ask, Lord, that you would reorient our hearts today, refocus our mind today, help us to see all the ways that you've been good to us. And may our lives pour forth thanksgiving, pour forth gratitude. And Lord, as we offer gratitude and thanks towards you, may you make us whole into the people you long for us to be. And so, Lord, we sing to you now words of worship, words of praise, words of thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name and the people of God said, amen. amen. Let's all stand and sing together. So God wants our lives to be shaped by gratitude. Many theologians have said that gratitude really is the foundational virtue on which everything else stands. That if you're grateful, joy comes. If you're grateful, contentment comes. If you're grateful, peace comes. That is the foundational virtue. And so as we close our service, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. We have the Lord's table to my left. And when the man came back saying thank you to God, the, the, the same word of thanks is the same word that we get the word Eucharist from. And when we come to the table of, of communion, the Eucharist, we come to the table offering thanks to God. Look how you've been broken and bruised for me. Your body was, was broken, your blood poured out for me. And I come to the table and say, I take the bread, I dip it in the cup and I go, thank you. Thank you. And so that's what we're invited to do. If you'd like to receive that at the end of our service, you can come up the center aisle and receive that. And we have our prayer team here. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with comparing a lot. Comparing my life to other people. Comparing what I've done to what other people have done. What I've accomplished to what other people have accomplished. And this could be a bondage. That we never live in the freedom that God has for us today. And so God, every time we gather on Sunday, God wants to set you free. He wants to liberate you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we close, we have our prayer team here. Maybe there's something that has you in bondage today, coveting other people's lives, complaining, comparing, whatever it is, the risen Jesus wants to set you free today. And he wants to set you free in such a way that he downloads this spirit and rhythm of, of gratitude in you that you see your life through the lens of his goodness towards you, regardless of the obstacles that you might be facing and the challenges that you might be facing, that you see it through the lens of his goodness. And so you can come up for prayer for whatever need you have. And I want to make a special invitation for those of you that are not even Christian today. You never made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you've been investigating Christianity, but you never said, yes, I want to be like that leper. And, and really the invitation is for you to be like Larry the leper today to turn around and say, I see your goodness towards me in the person of Jesus who died and who resurrected. And I'm ready to make a turn. I've been going this way. I'm turning this way towards God. And, and when you turn that way, you see the outstretched hands of Jesus saying, welcome home. I love you with an everlasting love. And if you've never made that decision, we have our prayer team here that would love to pray with you.
and love to walk you through that process. But as we close our gathering, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And if you're new here, the reason we do this every Sunday is because we cannot give what we have not received. And this is a posture of of receiving here. The world grasps and covets. The follower of Jesus is to live out of a place of gratitude and receiving. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit with a greater awareness of his goodness towards you. And may your life overflow with gratitude and thanksgiving. And so I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone.